the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate. Uh, that certificate's not uh, given away by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is TV and film. Now, we have a special guest on the phone. We've had him on at least twice, Gary Schlossberg, who is Wells Wells Fargo's chief economist. And uh, Gary, we are absolutely honored to have you on the show today. Well, thanks for having me along. Okay. Hey, Gary, I think you know, the, the, the topic of the week would, would probably be um, somewhat obvious, uh, and that is it, it, interest rates. And it's amazing. You know, Edward and I have been doing this show for you know, eight years now, and we do shows at the beginning of the year where we talk about you know, who's predicting where, you know, where rates in the economy are going. And I think for the last five years in a row— um, We've all been wrong. Yeah, the, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the pundits have all predicted, well, 5% mortgage rates by the end of the year. And, you know, and here we are now talking about mortgage rates— Maybe dipping down once again. Um, you know, are you surprised by what's going on in the economy this year? Well, we've been calling for higher interest rates over the past several years. That on the assumption that uh, inflation would eventually stabilize, turn the corner a bit. Uh, this year, though, early on, it was clear that uh, rates would be moving lower. The Federal Reserve uh, shifted gears. It became uh, what we call more dovish, uh, becoming increasingly uh, clear, transparent about actually lowering rates. And the reason for that was all the uncertainty out there over uh, slowing growth overseas, uh, the trade war with uh, with China, the fact that inflation never really did come around. It, it was percolating for a while, but really has stayed down, and that helps drive uh, long-term rates. Uh, uh, to which the uh, fixed-rate mortgage is tied, uh, particularly the 10-year yield. So a couple of things came together, and uh, it was clear early in the year that, uh, once again, we were headed in the wrong direction, at least in terms of our forecast. Great for a home buyer, though. Yeah. So one of the uh, things I was reading a, a blog uh, this morning, actually, and they were talking about negative yields overseas, like in yes. uh, Germany and Japan. And one of the reasons that uh, this gentleman was giving was there's a lot of retiree money that's sitting in uh, cash, sitting in their banks, and uh, and yet there's not enough younger people who are borrowing. So the, the banks can't pay interest if they're not earning interest. 
Well, certainly the demographics aren't helping in terms of uh, home buying, other other borrowing, although Europe, uh, I think, historically has been a little more conservative, certainly households, uh, than uh, households here about taking on debt. But really, I think more of it is simply the fact that uh, economic growth there is weak. Part of that, again, demographics and aging population, slower population growth, but a slower recovery from the financial meltdown 10 years ago as well, and uh, the central bank has been responding to that by becoming even more aggressive over the years than our own Federal Reserve, and actually buying up securities longer and more aggressively uh, than our central bank. In fact, there's every indication that they'll be back at it again after ending the program, back at it again uh, late this year, early in 2020. Well, that's one of the reasons that our interest rates are going down, is that they're buying a lot of our treasuries, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, the, the negative yields have had a spillover effect. Money is uh, what we call fungible. It moves around very easily, and negative yields uh, aren't all that attractive to investors. There are reasons why investors in Europe are continuing to buy negative-yielding securities. Yeah, go ahead and explain that to it. Because I t- I'm looking I, and I'm going, I make more money putting it under a mattress than I do putting it in the bank. That doesn't well, make sense to that's me. That's only if you hold the security to maturity. You, if you still think that... Uh, the, or if you think that economic growth is going to be very weak there, the economy falling into a recession, inflation and inflation expectations moving lower, the central bank still very stimulative and pumping money into the system, then those rates could become even more negative, as they will if, as we expect, the European Central Bank comes in and actually lowers rates from where they are now, in other words, making them more negative. As rates move lower or even become increasingly negative, bond prices benefit from that. So there is the issue of trading profits. Uh, you, you can still make uh, a price gain. In other words, bonds are becoming more and more like stocks. Most of the return coming from price changes, less than uh, less from interest rates. The other uh, element out there is that if, if you are so fearful of the outlook, better to walk in a loss now than take your chance with another security in Europe, for example, or anywhere else for that matter. If, if you're really frightened of the financial markets, and uh, there is a certain amount of, uh, of locking effect uh, as well. So uh, you can see where uh, investors uh, might be inclined to continue investing in those securities. On top of that, uh, banks, uh, pension funds, insurance companies, particularly in Europe, do have to hold a certain amount of government securities, uh-huh. or at least are inclined to. And uh, so even as those yields turn negative, they may uh, shave their allocation, but they they still will hold a certain amount of those securities. Now, back to the earlier question, money does move around with negative yields. All those other investors that really don't have to take those uh, negative yields yeah. will move to where ne- yields are still positive. And one of the, the biggest markets, of course, is in the U.S. So even though our yields are lower, at least they're positive. You get foreign money moving in. It drives the price of the security up, yeah. and that drives the yield uh, down a bit. One reason, incidentally, why we have what's called a negative yield, uh, an inverted yield curve, but we can get into that later if you'd like. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, we have to get to a commercial break. When we get into that, uh, we'll get into that net, next uh, commercial break. Or, uh, next when we segment, come back, yeah. Next segment, thank you very much. Okay, uh, so we're gonna, we're talking here TV and film, uh, trivia question number one, and Gary, if you know the answer, don't say anything until we get back. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the TV show Shark Tank, 
who gave the nickname Mr. Wonderful to Kevin O'Leary. All right, so you have to know the show for that one. Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. In the TV show Shark Tank, who gave the nickname Mr. Wonderful to Kevin O'Leary? Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown with Mark Honf and our special guest, Wells Fargo Chief Economist Gary Schlossberg. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff and our special guest, Gary Schlossberg. Uh, first trivia question. On the TV show Shark Tank, who gave the nickname Mr. Wonderful to Kevin O'Leary? Was that Mark Cuban? No. It wasn't. No, it was before he got on the show. Barbara Corcoran? Well, yes, Barbara Corcoran. Ah. <laughs> yes, he goes, oh, you're just Mr. Wonderful, aren't you? <laughs> All right, so on the phone, we have Wells Fargo Chief Economist Gary Schlossberg. And Gary, um, we sort of teased the audience uh, when we were exiting the last segment about inverted yield curves, curves. And I remember being in college, and at the time, you could get 16% on a, on a uh a money market fund yeah. from a, an FDIC insured bank, but if you wanted to go uh, longer term, like a treasury bond, um, which you know can theoretically everything's guaranteed by the government in this instance, it was like it was like twelve or nine percent. And I'm going, wait a minute, short term rates are high and long term rates are low. What's going on? And someone had to explain this inverted yield curve, which basically meant investors and everybody were expecting yields to drop. Right. Uh, those yields expected to drop, and in fact, the inverted yield curve has done a very good job over the years of anticipating an economic slowdown. There have been times when the curve has inverted, 1998, for example, um, and uh, the economy uh, didn't roll over into a recession. But typically, uh, historically, it's been a good predictor, and certainly is a yellow flag this time around as well. Good predictor because short rates, as you pointed out, were rising more rapidly than long rates. The Federal Reserve chasing inflation, and that's one difference between then and now, chasing higher inflation, trying to stay out in front of that, uh, what we call the inflation curve. Uh, and as they continue to do that, investors anticipating a slowing economy and uh, uh, leveling out in a decline in inflation, at least temporarily, uh, it demanded less for their longer-dated securities, less yield, or at least the yield leveled out. Now, keep in mind that uh, there was still an advantage in locking in those yields because they would persist for a while, whereas if you were in a money fund, uh, once the Federal Reserve stopped raising rates, those short-term interest rates geared very much to what the Fed's doing uh, would be coming down. So even at a lower yield, it paid to to lock in uh, a longer-dated security. Now, flash forward to the current situation, certainly the inverted curve could be uh, signaling uh, a slowing economy and investors uh, demanding less yield uh, because of uh, an anticipated economic slowdown and lower inflation. However, the difference this time around is that the Fed isn't cha- the Federal Reserve isn't chasing higher inflation. In mm-hmm. fact, the Federal Reserve 
have is easing policy. It's cutting interest rates. Uh, Longer-term rates are falling more rapidly than the decline in money market rates. The Federal Reserve has only begun to cut rates, we assume, uh, making that first cut in a decade uh, uh, back at the end of July. Uh, but uh, the bond market uh, is seeing those yields falling more rapidly. Now, certainly some of that may be due to concern about the outlook. But keep in mind as well, uh, lower inflation and reduced inflation expectations could be due to factors uh, other uh, than uh, uh, the expectation of a slowing economy. Uh, in fact, when rates are declining, that's the big difference now compared to uh, historically when rates, when the curve was inverting with higher rates. With rates coming down, you would think that that would uh, ease the pressure and reduce the risk of an economic slowdown. So that, to me, is one difference. You never want to say it's different this time, but this is <laughs> yeah, <a> right. difference <laughs> in the backdrop. The other thing gets back to uh, the other element there, there gets back to that foreign demand of yeah, that's a, securities. Yeah. That may be driving those long-term rates lower as well. But really, fundamentally, the difference is that this curve... This inverted curve is occurring uh, amid declining rates, not rising rates. And, of course, that has implications for banks as well. And do you, you don't see a negative yield coming to America, mostly because there's still a lot of demand for debt, right? Well, uh, it's for that reason that you could see yields uh, continue to move lower. We're not that far above zero. Some analysts are expecting uh, uh, yields on longer-dated securities to approach zero, much like they are in Europe. Uh, But that would be due in large part, I think, to foreign demand. It it could also be due to inflation coming down here. I wouldn't look for a big drop in inflation, Mm. enough sufficient to uh, bring that rate down, the bond yield down to zero or below. Below that, but you never want to say never. I mean, I would love to be able to go to the bank and borrow on thirty-year money at zero percent on my house. Yeah, well, that's what the Federal Reserve is trying to avoid. They don't want no, to. Uh, don't avoid it. Those, those rates down. Well, it has. It does have a negative side yeah, effect. It does because yeah. when yields are negative, banks aren't making money on an inverted curve. When that, uh, uh, when you have a, a negative spread between the cost of their borrowing. Uh, funding and the cost uh, and the yield that they're making on a loan. So what you're finding is that uh, lending in Europe, which uh, for corporations, incidentally, uh, those corporations are more dependent on bank loans than bonds uh, than they are here in the U.S. But one reason for weak lending activity in Europe may be due to the fact that the margins there aren't all that attractive. Banks are looking for other ways to make money. So it comes under careful careful what you wish for. Uh, those those negative yields may look attractive to a borrower, but it's it's getting the money uh, that, that could be a bit more problematic. It creates distortions in the financial markets that I think we'd be better off uh, avoiding. Our, our yields are, are low. No sense asking for more than that. Gary, let's pivot a bit. Given what we're seeing happening in the economy right now with uh, both short-term and and potentially long-term interest rates declining, which definitely was not what we were predicting at the beginning of the year, how has that adjusted your forecast uh, for what you see potentially happening in 2020? Well, uh, to some extent, uh, it, it certainly lessens the risk of a recession. However, to the extent that this reflects 
not only a weakening economy, and, and over the past couple of months, we have become a little more concerned about the outlook, but it also, and I'll get, get into why in a moment, but it's really related in part to uh, the other element there, the uncertainty created uh, by this trade war, by the slowing growth overseas, the kinds of things that the Federal Reserve was talking about in justifying its, uh, its rate cut at the end of July. Uh, the economy seemed to be holding up a bit better then, but over the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing a little bit of spillover from the weakness in what we call trade-sensitive areas of the economy, notably manufacturing, business investment, which is uh, tied to some extent, particularly for the big multinational companies, to what's happening overseas. We've seen some spillover uh, from the weakness there, and, and conditions have been weakening a bit, still growing, but growing at a, a slowing rate, a spillover to uh, the really the, the dominant part of the economy, non-manufacturing, services activity, very labor-intensive, a lot of hiring there. And as uh, that uh, growth has weakened, there is concern that job growth may weaken, and that's an important driver of consumer spending, which on the demand side of the ledger has been the main driver of economic growth in the economy. And do you think uh, our Fed chairman is doing a decent job? Well, I, I think the communication could be a bit better. Uh, there has been some flip-flopping out there. Admittedly, he, like the rest of us, uh, has, has been broadsided a bit uh, by uh, changing events. But I think there was a little complacency as the Fed was trying to what we call normalize rates, mm. move them up in 2018 uh, about some weakness in the economy. I mean, uh, you know, the pressure, the political pressure uh, is certainly unwanted and, and could do damage down the road, but I think the president had a point at the time. Uh, you know, the economy may not be that resilient to those increases in rates. And the Fed, I think, was uh, a little, I wouldn't call it cavalier. They, they're always on, on watch, but uh, I don't think there was the sensitivity that there could have been until they were forced to uh, reverse direction. Gotcha. Hey, Gary, uh, uh, hey, Gary we have to cut to another break. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of the reasons I was asking that is I'm wondering if we have to bring back Paul Volcker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, he was one of the – well, we can get into that a little yeah, okay. bit. <laughs> one of the better uh, governors. There, there you go. Reserve. All right. Here's our uh, second trivia question. Um, and then I know, Gary, you're going to have to go pretty soon. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, have you on for another segment or a half segment, uh, and then you'll have to go. I understand. Sure. Okay. Second trivia question is, which film features the line, I could have been a contender? All right. Uh Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff and our special guest, Gary Schlossberg, who is Wells Fargo's chief economist. Second trivia question was, uh, which film features the line, I could have been a contender? Gary, you know that one? I think it was On the Waterfront. It is On the Waterfront. Very good. I didn't know that one. I think it was 1952. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have the year, but I'll trust you you on that. so I, I, I got to share with you, Gary. So I'm a Wells Fargo client, and uh, I have a really good uh, mortgage uh, specialist I used here out of San Francisco to help me refinance my home recently. And she got me a jumbo uh, 7-1 uh, 
ARM, which is, a, for you listeners, a variable rate loan, fixed for seven years. And we closed just recently, just, just the end of last month, at three and a quarter. And I thought that was just a great rate, given where you're seeing and what people are now potentially predicting about long-term rates, do you think I might have an opportunity to maybe even maybe even refinance that into a better rate in the coming months? Well, you don't want to, you don't want to take what I say to the bank, given my track record. <laughs> <laughs> given, that the, given that the Federal Reserve, I mean, the odds of at least another cut in interest rates at the uh, September 18th FOMC policy meeting, those odds are going up again. In fact, in the Fed Funds futures market, they're still at 100%, and the probability of a 50 uh, or half percentage point cut has gone up wow. a bit over the past couple of days. I don't think that's going to happen, but a lot can happen between now and then. It really depends on the economy. But uh, it, I would say that uh, depending on how the, the uh, you know this, this trade battle with China plays out, uh, that could have an increasingly serious effect, uh, apparent effect, uh, on the economy if uh, the spillover to services uh, continues to build. And in that case, we could see uh, more rate cutting uh, into 2020, pretty much what the market is for. They're forecasting a recession, uh, four, or five, four or five rate cuts between now and early 2021. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but um, certainly uh, the economy seems to be tiptoeing in that direction. Hopefully it'll improve. I know you work on a national basis, uh, uh, Gary, um, for Wells Fargo, and and when you you know talk about the economy, you're probably talking you know probably from a nationwide perspective. But but here in California, of course, we're you know uh, and on our show here, we talk a lot about California real estate, and and I know we're we tend to be uh, maybe wear rose colored glasses here on this show. And I know personally, I'm I'm a real estate lender, and I'm I'm still pretty bullish on on California real estate. Uh, anything that you know and see that gives you any. Concern Concern about uh, where we are with uh, here in California with our real estate market. Well, fundamentally, there's a housing shortage in many parts of the state, so that tends to provide uh, a good underpinning. When you marry that with the fact that uh, we've got a, a healthy economy, at least for the moment, uh, tech-driven uh, here in the Bay Area, uh, one of the, the stronger areas uh, of the state, and we have mortgage rates moving lower. Uh, that's certainly a positive. Now, you know, on the margin, you're seeing uh, some erosion because houses are becoming so expensive that um, even tech workers uh, have been, it's been, there have been reports of tech workers migrating up to Seattle, which isn't all that cheap either, but it is a healthy economy and housing is a little bit more affordable. I might add that uh, if we do go through the ringer uh, on the economy, uh, you could see uh, prices soften uh, for a time. But again, I think the downside, certainly here in the Bay Area, I think would be limited by uh, tight supply. So unless you really get an uh, unraveling of the economy, and given that it's geared toward tech, I think any, uh, any decline would be fairly limited. I remember uh, during the real estate bust in the late 80s, early 90s, oh, yeah. down the peninsula, home prices for a very short period of time dropped 30 to 35 percent. <laughs> that was in a six-month period. Within six months, you had a roll-in. People in the East Bay and the exurbs uh, began to roll in. I'm not sure who they sold their homes to, but because affordability improved, you had this backfill, and in no time at all, prices had rebounded. So you don't want to be complacent. Things can happen, but when you look at the supply 
understand the demand balance, unless uh, something dramatic happens with mortgage rates, uh, I think we're in a reasonably good market. Now, one issue is the high home prices mean that down payments are very high, yeah. and um, that affects the uh, first-time home buyer, which is feeding the base. I know trade-up demand has been very strong. You may have a better read on this than I do, but that nationwide, at least, is an area of concern that these down payments are really dampening uh, demand by first-time home buyers, even as mortgage rates have, have fallen. You know, as short-term lenders, you know, we, we keep our you know ear to the ground when it comes to uh, valuations and I'm a little bit nervous and have been and shared on this show nervousness over prices per square foot, particularly yeah. from San Francisco to San Jose approaching and exceeding $2,000 yeah. a square foot. Yeah. And I'm just I always wonder, you know, if we have a, hick in, a hiccup in tech uh, and, and anything happens to, you know, hiring practices or, or companies up and up and leave. I'm just wondering if there's much support for that high evaluation. I, I mean, only if you're you're material costs and and labor costs go up so much that you know the margin for a developer goes is so thin yeah so I, mean? I guess where i'm going with that is that you know you know california is a very large market even the bay area is a large market and i just you know there are pockets where prices per square foot in the bay area are still five hundred dollars a square foot and then when you hit two thousand dollars a square foot in in the silicon valley area i just wonder if we might see um you know pockets of uh, you know more volatility in the next recession than uh, maybe we might expect today. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a, a spokesperson for the real estate industry, but uh, you know, th th there is that shortage. The shortage persists. Um, businesses, in all likelihood, we could go through a correction in tech, and that could ripple through the housing market. Although tech's longer-term prospects uh, are are are. are reasonably good i would say very bright just considering some of the 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 advanced tech uh, areas sectors and biotech as well in the pipeline whether it's here or elsewhere uh that should remain a dynamic industry clearly through uh there, there might be some hiccups and that would show up in the housing market but you do i i think longer term you still have that underpinning from tech and uh we have a core and and some attributes uh, the educational system the entrepreneurship uh the you know the uh, the local economy the core that we have in tech is strong enough that that acts to uh retain uh that industry you can't simply move away to uh say the middle of the country and establish a company you could move up to uh nevada you know set up manufacturing but I think that's one reason why the uh, demise of the tech industry, uh, while we've talked about it over the years, never really uh, developed to fruition. You move up the value-added ladder, and that's where the opportunity is. And I've got to, I've got to believe that's, that's going to be an underpinning to housing. So a hiccup, yes, maybe more severe than we're expecting, but between the supply and the underlying backbone uh, of our local economy and the ability to retain those uh, tech companies, I believe, uh, should work in favor of the market. Great opportunity to be eating crow a year from now, but that's how I see it shaping <laughs> well, up. Well, Gary, thank you so much. We've got to cut to another break. I know that your time is limited. You said you're going to have to go after this. So thank you again so much. Thanks. That's uh, Gary Schlossberg, Wells Fargo Chief Economist, joining us today. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was good. Good Great stuff. stuff. All I'm right. looking forward to, to de de decomposing some of that stuff yeah. in the next segment. Exactly. Okay. Third trivia question. Whose tombstone features the inscription, That's All Folks? 
All right? Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with correct cancer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Don't touch that dial. The best in investing will be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the best of investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Hoff. That was very good information from Gary Schlossberg. Indeed. Wells Fargo chief economist. Always love when we can uh, join us. All right, third trivia question. Whose tombstone features the inscription, that's all folks? Um... Let me try this again. That's all, folks. I forget his name. Mel Blank. Oh, that's right. Mel Blank. I figured if I started that off, it would be a little too easy to guess. So I told the audience at the end of the Gary Schlossberg interview, we would decompose that when you got deconstruct. And, you know, it's, 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 who did you say was decomposing in his grave? Oh, Beethoven is decomposing in his grave. Decomposing in his grave. Oh, my God. We have too much fun during the commercial breaks here. True. No, great stuff from Gary. I was actually really thrilled to hear him talk about how really confident he he feels yeah. uh, about the Bay Area economy and real estate in the Bay Area. You know, I kind of threw him what I thought was a softball that would, you know, allowed him to, you know, to fire back if he was concerned about, you know, some of the high prices per square foot and whether they're sustainable and, and maybe susceptible in the next downturn. And he didn't really, you know, he, you know, yeah. and he said a lot of the things that we've been saying here for years, which is, look, they're just not building new homes. It's just crazy. They're doing things like allowing you to build uh, ADUs, uh, 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 accessory, accessory dwelling yeah. units, you know, so-called granny units or in-law units. But, you know, besides that, they're just, you know, I, I mean, not a week goes by where I don't see an article in the paper about um, some local organization, you know, putting up a lawsuit to stop yet another uh, building project of significant size in, in the my Bay Area. backyard. Yeah, I know, the whole yeah. NIMBY thing. So, you know, so really, really interesting. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. I was reading, uh, we didn't get a chance to really dive too deep into some of the reasons behind why um, experts are, are, are believing that, that long-term rates and, and hence mortgage rates are going to once again dip down. And we may see yet another extremely unexpected. I, I thought for sure we were done with the refinance booms. And we've had so yeah. many of them over the last yeah. five years. And it looks like we're going to enter into yet another uh, potentially historically low mortgage rate market in the coming months. A, a lot depends on what happens with China and what happens with uh, uh, quantitative uh, uh, easing, which uh, they, you know, the, they're they're stopping um, they're stopping the the the, the sales, sales of, of yeah. the. Uh, of, so of the bonds. I, I remember. Okay, this was the first rate cut in like ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many rate increases did we have over that? Oh, good question. Period? I don't I know. I did, it, I a lot. Was, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of little little ones. A lot of little bumps. A quarter better, here right? and a quarter there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, good stuff from, from Gary Schlossberg, uh, chief economist of Wells Fargo, who uh, um, <clears throat> he didn't say it outright. Right, but uh, um, like many, uh, those calls for a recession in 2020 are are quietly going push away. It, push it off another year. Push it off another year. Yeah. Now it's 2021. There you go. And 2022, your next recession brought to you by. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to move on here to the Pacific Private Money Fund. All right. Oh, you because got a question for we me. Have, yeah, an email comes in. It says, yeah. "I heard you mention about a one-year hold on your fund, but." 
you can add to it without starting a new one-year period. Can you please explain this? So the 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 listener actually means a, a he's referring to a one-year lockup. And so whenever you invest in a mortgage fund or just about any kind of private placement is what they're talking about. Uh, it, it, funds like the Pacific Private Money Fund are generally put together like private placements. Some are REITs, but uh, for the most part, they're private placements, uh, which really means they're just a, they're an LLC, and we put together you know an offering circular and a subscription agreement, an operating agreement. You get to read all of that stuff before you invest, and it's it's long and it's windy, and uh, but you know it it really talks about how the fund works, how it makes money, how you make money, and. One of the many typical structures of of a fund, like a mortgage pool fund, is a lockup period. And years ago, lockup periods used to be longer. It wasn't unusual for you to invest in a fund with a lockup period of five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Then it went down to three years and then two years. In fact, when we started Pacific Private Money Fund, the initial lockup period was two years. Mm-hmm. And then within the first year, we actually reduced it down to one year because we what we kind of found was people liked the idea that they could get their money out sooner but in practice, actually, very few people take their money out. And so what we found is that we've never actually had to charge the penalty, the prepayment or, or the pre with early withdrawal penalty. Uh, no one has ever closed out their account in, in less than a year. So, But the question was, okay, so we have a one-year lockup, which means if you open up an account and our minimum opening is $50,000, uh, and if you open up an account, you got to keep that money in there for at least a year. Um, otherwise, we have a 3% early withdrawal penalty, which, again, we've never charged in the six years. Uh, a life of the fund to date. Um, but what if I add more money? Does it reset the clock or does that new money also have its own one-year lockup? Now, on some funds, it does. Some funds, that there is that tag-along where, you know, if you open it up, but maybe six months later, you throw in another 50000 Well, the first $50,000 has only six months left, but that new $50,000 has a new year. Well, we don't do that. That's just silly, I think. In fact, if it were up to me, we wouldn't have any lockup period just because I, I think people, you know, the, the returns we provide in the Pacific Private Money Fund are, are are so, well, I want to say rare, um, yeah. and they are really. I mean, they, they're, they're high. They're, they're high. <laughs> yeah. Their their high yields are uh, are trailing twelve month distributed yield in the Pacific Private Money Fund is seven and a half percent, and that is you know that's a rare find uh, uh, in a fairly liquid, well secured real estate mortgage Yeah, it's fund. not a negative yield like they have in Europe. Right. And so <laughs> so we don't, you know, we don't penalize investors. You know, your 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 12 month lockup period starts the day you open that account and as many of our investors do, they start out with the minimum, they open up at 50, they get a few distributed yields uh, a few months in, they see my newsletters, they get a chance to get to kind of get the feel from it. And then oftentimes they will add a substantial increase to their fund. Um, we had one investor that opened up with 50 and within three months uh, wrote us a check for a million bucks. So we did not, so, so it doesn't reset the clock at the Pacific Private Money Fund. Your one year starts from the day you open your account. And even if you open up multiple accounts with us, we don't keep resetting the clock. We we're, we're, we we just really want you to understand that we'd rather you don't treat it like a money market account uh, and uh, because we do lend that money out uh, for 12, 18, and 24-month terms. Um, but uh, uh, generally speaking, what we found is that you treat people well, you do what you say you're going to do, you keep them informed, uh, you send them regular reports, you make it easy, uh, do what you say you're going to do, and they keep the money in. They just There's not a lot of... Uh, 
you know, alternative uh, um, opportunities for yeah. people to earn the kind of yields we're paying that's, uh, in our case, secured by real estate mortgages, here in Cal- mostly here in California. Very good. Yeah. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? So, for more information, our website, uh, which we're continuing to add information all the time, is at PacificPrivateMoney.com. That's PacificPrivateMoney.com. You go to the website, you click on the Invest tab, and there's a bunch of information in there for you. We are adding more information. In fact, we just did a bunch of explainer videos, which uh, uh, with our um, with one of our uh, associates, and that we should be uploading those to the website soon. That's to help to uh, explain a little bit easier uh, how it is uh, what it is we do what kind of loans we do why people borrow from us and, and how we make money with your money so and, we're, and the next segment we're going to get into that because you know if I'm the audience listening and I hear you're earning seven and a half percent roughly I'm thinking that means you got to be charging the borrower more than that because you have to make money yes we do and I'm thinking who would borrow at those kind of rates it sounds too risky yep but it's not and right with bank with bank rates going down to back back in the threes again. Yeah. Why would anybody pay the kind of rates we would need to charge in order to pay our investors seven and a half percent? Okay, well, stay stay, tuned. With, stay tuned, and we're going to tell you that in the next segment. You're listening to the best of investing. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the best of investing on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Once again, your host. Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hahn. Indeed. Uh, indeed. I uh, didn't have a trivia question, but uh, Mark, we were telling the audience, when we came back, we were going to kind of explain, if you're able to pay 75 plus percent to the investors, how much are you charging these borrowers? And right, why so, would anyone pay that right, rate? So our mortgage pool fund, the Pacific Private Money Fund, uh, the trailing 12-month distributed yield to our investors to date is uh, roughly 7.5%. So if we're paying our investors seven and a half percent, we got to make a profit in there too. I mean, there's a management fee. You know, we got to service the loans. We got to pay the fund administrator. We got to pay our CPA to do the tax returns. We got to do the fund audit every year. That costs money. So what are we charging? Well, we are charging between nine and ten percent for and, our money. And who would borrow at those kind of rates? Well, it, it is it is high, especially when mortgage rates are going to go below four again. And we don't think our rates are going to go down a, a whole heck of a lot more, although they may go down a little bit more. But, you know, to produce that 7.5% yield, yes, we got we got to charge rates in the nines and then, you know, a couple of points, you know, one and a half to two and a half points on average. And the reason we can get that is that we occupy a niche in the loan demand space that serves people who need money fast. It also serves money, serves people who need money to buy real estate and can't get it from the bank, regardless of the 4% or less mortgage rates. And there's a lot of reasons why people can't get money from the bank. In the Bay Area, we have a lot of self-employed people, and self-employed people find it really difficult, especially to get purchase money loans. And a purchase money loan is exactly what it sounds like. It's you're going to buy real estate, and because we're in a competitive market, sellers don't give you a lot of time to close. In fact, sellers love it when you make an offer to close in, say, 21 days. Uh, cash buyers are typical to do that. And if you want to compete with a cash buyer and use financing and you offer too much longer than 21 to 30 days, you're probably not going to get that contract. So the way a lot of buyers of real estate who need financing get away with aggressive offers and, and short 
closing periods is they use companies like Pacific Private Money to provide them with a short-term bridge loan. Uh, and yes, it costs more, but it, it's a tool to allow them to get the real estate. And um, especially if you're self-employed and you know it's going to take probably 90 days and, and maybe even 120 days now to get a bank loan because, you know, with rates going lower again, there's going to be yet another bums oh, rush yeah. for refinancing. So Good if you point. call your mortgage agent, they're going to tell you probably, well, we're, we're adding a couple of weeks on to our expected closing times because, you know, we're getting this rush of, of, uh, of loan requests. So, so, you know, the reason why, again, just to kind of circle back and uh, is that, um, you know, if you got if you want to close quickly, um, you're probably not going to be able to do that with bank financing. If you're self-employed, you can get bank financing, but maybe not a purchase loan. Maybe you use us for a bridge loan to capture the property, get it in your name. Now you've got the time to put together all the stuff you need to do to prove your income, and your, you know, maybe you got to move some money around. Maybe you got to let it sit in an account for a while. They call that seasoning, uh, or create reserves for yourself because uh, uh, you know in the Bay Area, you know we're in a pretty much a jumbo market uh, loan market. It here and you know banks want to see they want to see reserves they want to see seasoning they want to see your income they want to see lots and lots of things and it takes time to put that together and so and then and yet another reason is you know maybe you're going through a divorce banks hate making loans to people who are going through a divorce well where's the husband going to move to he wants to buy a house to move into we we help a lot of people with those uh, what if mom and pa die and they leave their house to the siblings and one wants to sell and the other one wants to keep it where do they get a loan to buy that well again banks Banks aren't usually thrilled with doing, you know, loans to trusts or to uh, to estates. And again, that's something that a lot of attorneys uh, send business our way. So there's just, you know, it's just a surprising number of situations where um, our money, albeit expensive, is convenient and easy and fast and friendly. We make it. Uh, we're fast, friendly, and reliable at Pacific Private Money. And uh, for more information. Go to PacificPrivateMoney.com. I know we got to wrap it up because we're out of time. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, here's our thoughts for the day. My motto, think like a proton and stay positive. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and if at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. <laughs> right? Indeed. All right. Uh, this was a good show. Gary Schlossberg from Wells Fargo, the chief economist. How lucky were we to have him on? Looks like we're not going to be headed into a recession this coming uh, year, which is good. So tune in next week to The Best of Investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.